You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that. Shut it off! Shut the confidence off! What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Wayside Rugby podcast. The podcast about Norwegian rugby that no one wanted. But we're going to give it to you anyway. Today, again, it's just me and Tom. Um, and we are going to, apologies apologies for that again, and we're going to talk about um, the two finals that happened, maybe touch slightly on the on the Barbarians game as well, um, and just dissect what was pretty amazing weekend of rugby, really. But to kick it off, how are you, Tom? How was your weekend? I'm good. I'm just recovering from all the fun I had on Saturday. Watching what, the rugby. What did you get up to on Saturday? I was at Sindra's with a few of their lads from Blinden and we watched uh, both the games, so that was really fun. Yeah, because I like how they did the games back to back because I would have expected someone to uh, fuck it up and put both games on at the same time and make people choose, but it's good that they managed to be sensible and put it on back to back. But... Am I right in thinking they decided to put the games on on the same day as the last day of the Premier League? Or was that on Sunday? No, Sunday was the last. Sunday was the day where everyone got relegated. Ah, oh, that's good. Well, see, rugby might actually stand a chance in the future if it can keep making logical, clever decisions like this. Yeah, or... I mean, I think a good idea as well is put rugby on so a pub can show a rugby match before a football game. And then you'll get some people in who will be there for football, but there's a rugby game on. What's, yeah, pain in the ass is when rugby's on at exactly the same time as a football game. That's so stupid. That's actually genius, that, because everyone goes to the pub before a football game. So, yeah, so like slyly, like, get them interested in rugby by, like, having it on the TV and, like, they're, they're accidentally immersing themselves into the rugby, uh, into finding out that rugby's a great sport. If the Premier League kicks off at three, Stick a rugby game on at one, and then all the boy, all the guys who are coming into pre in the pub will just have rugby on in the background and just get people interested like that. But yeah, no good. So you had a you had a good day. So hopefully, if you were having a few beers, you'll remember the games really, really vividly, and we've go into really good in depth analysis on them. Yeah, well, I can remember the things that made me angry really, really clearly. <laughs> Everything that wound me up over the course of their two games, I can remember dead well. If there was any good offloading, any any actually good rugby, I would have missed it. Too busy fixating on other things. So you've got a nice list of things that um, got a nice list of things that irritated you during the game, but not none of the actual decent rugby stuff. I can't remember the rugby at all, to be honest. I don't watch rugby to watch rugby. I watch rugby because it winds me up and I I, I enjoy it. I'm like, I enjoy the fact it's so flawed that I can learn <laughs> about it forever. <laughs> That's that's yeah. re- that's the real reason I watch rugby. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just sport in general, isn't it? People just people like complaining, don't they? Yeah, but the problem with football is you, you moan about it, but then you always come back to the part where it's the biggest sport in the world. So you kind of have to shut up after a while because all your ideas for improvements don't really matter because it's already massive. Whereas rugby, it's like it's so badly done that you can just find faults everywhere. Yeah, but football. Okay, so you're you're saying that you the game winds you up rather than 
what's happening because in football i mean things like arsenal fan tv wouldn't be a thing if people didn't get so wound up about football like that's why it's so entertaining because people get so angry but you're yeah. saying that you don't get angry or about the teams or the players you get angry about the game in general yeah i take like a holistic approach to my anger <laughs> yeah. when it comes to sports your anger your anger covers all angles yeah mate right okay fair enough right so i think before before we get tom talking about what made him angry over the weekend and i think there'll be a few things that did uh we'll just talk about a game in norwegian rugby that happened um on the weekend and it was in the in the league game between Helgesund uh, and Sadness Battle of the West Coast to see who would come out on top as the best rugby league team in the West we got a match report here Helgesund started really well put pressure on and, and got the first points on the board apparently Sadness made four try saving tackles where they where they held up in goal which sounds like a which sounds like a good effort sounded like a really good game actually Although Halgerson managed to start in front and then and then keep in front throughout, and um, Sandnes defended really well, but the final score ended eighteen twenty six to Halgerson, who now sit top of the of the table with with two wins from four. Special mention was go to is Dick of the Day, and I think we've had we've mentioned this guy before. I think it's the same guy. If it's not the same guy, I apologise. Uh, but we have Marius from from Haugesund, who I don't know if you remember from another podcast. There was a he came on, I think, in the first league game of the year for Haugesund, and I, th- I think it was his debut for the club. Came on in the sixtieth minute, uh, and then got red carded. Was it five minutes later for a massive high shot on one of the other players? This time round, he only got a yellow card. <laughs> But it was the same thing. He said he tried to uh, decapitate a sadness player and uh, and got a yellow card for it. So Maris is becoming a bit of a legend in on this podcast, and I'm sure in in Halgerson. So I think from now on we need to get Halgerson, we need to get Marius watch on and see uh, see what Marius gets up to at games every every time he plays because he's starting to, he's starting to get a bit of a reputation. Or the other way we can do it is every time we find out about a yellow or a red card, we just attribute it to Marius no matter what. Yeah. We just say he's done this, even though he was playing for Sagna against Bergen. Yeah. It's yeah. still Marius. So yeah, shout out to uh shout out to Hugson Sandness. That sounded like a really good game. Um and shout out to Marius who has got another another card on the board. So congratulations to him and let's uh let's see where it goes through the rest of the season. That was the only kind of Norwegian rugby that happened at the weekend. So now I guess we just need to talk about the the, the less important stuff, which was the Premiership final and the URC final. So Premier, Premiership final, Saracen thirty five, Sale twenty five. Firstly, what did you what did you make of it as as just like a general spectacle? It was a really good game. I think it's one of the. It was good because we needed like a good final and it was like exciting to watch and there was lots of uh mistakes in the first like 20 30 minutes and i kind of like the scrappiness because uh because mistakes make the game a little bit more open if it's like a hot day so i quite mm-hmm. like that there was drama pretty much everything really it's just played between two teams with no fans so it's a bit <laughs> yeah i mean it didn't look too it, it didn't look too empty it looked all right 
Yeah, but when you when they pan to the crowd and you can see Bath shirts and Leicester Tigers shirts, yeah, 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 yeah. shirts from every other team apart from Saracens and Sale. It's a bit like it's just a bunch of neutrals that have got like a a cheap ticket because the RFU were desperate to sell out Twickenham that they've gone. Here you go, here's a ticket. Support one of the teams, and they've all gone. Now we'll support our own team. Yeah, I always thought that when I so I've been to Premiership finals before and people who wear shirts of teams that aren't in there i either think a you're arrogant and thought you're gonna get to the final so you've come you bought your ticket and start the season and you just we're gonna go anyway no matter what or yeah you're just a neutral who doesn't really give a shit about the result but you just want to go to twickenham i don't really know which one it is rich people with lots of money to spend on a day out just like oh stuff it will yeah him today i think there's a game on yeah you don't see like uh lads who have Newcastle or Exeter shirts the year. It's all Harlequins or, or Bath. Yeah. Yeah. Or Irish. <laughs> yeah. Or the London clubs that have uh, not made it have gone our stuff it. We it's not it's not too far away, is it, Twickenham? Yeah. Like I would have spent this money if if we if my team got there. So I might as well go and buy fifty thousand beers at fifty thousand dollars a beer and block everyone's view when they go for a piss and to get more beers. Might yeah, I'll do that. Fair enough. And uh, buy the world's most expensive sandwich. Yeah. Oh, we're just I'm selling the Twickenham experience here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to Twickenham, buy lots of beers, eat a really expensive sandwich, and go for a piss a lot. But also, yeah. there is a rugby match happening, but you don't need to worry about that because it's not your team. <laughs> right. I mean, can we talk about what what the, what the hell happened with... How when did forwards start having skills? I mean, you talked last week about having, or not last week, a couple of weeks ago about just saying why can't we just have nine forwards? The first one, Aka van der Merwe, gets the ball, beats a guy, chips it over the top. It wasn't really a chip and chase, was it? It was more of a chip and wipe out. So he chips it over Alex Gooden and just runs into him and wipes him and takes him out. And then Robot runs down the wing and, and toes it through. And scores a wonder try. And then you've got Bevan Rod coming on and playing like as a as a prop and playing like Antoine Dupont. And then on the other side of it, you got the reserve hooker doing a spiral fifty twenty two from like his own ten meter line down into the opposing t- like what was going on? I love it. I do. I think that's. I think every player should be able to do like a fifty twenty two. They should have the ability at least, and a chip and chase. Like these aren't like really complicated, hard kicks for a professional. Like I don't really understand what you do in training every day of the week. Like they seem to go to the gym a lot from like social media and stuff. But why? Why shouldn't they should be able to like kick the ball? Like it's not. Like how soon? At least the new. At least the new boys can. I don't yeah. think Dan Cole would be able to uh, hit a miss pass from scrum half over to the wing. What I think rugby should do is go for like football because football you just pick the striker, and, like so you're like under sevens, and then the striker from every team basically forms the academy, and then the best striker he stays at striker, and then the others are then forced to be like right backs and left backs, and as it goes up and up and up, and then you, when you reach the Premier League, you'll find that like the right back for Burnley scored like 150 goals when he was 14 yeah. which is a striker he's just not as good a striker as Aguero 
So I think like in rugby, you should make everyone a 10. And then, you know, you go to this, you go to one 10, you say, look, mate, you're not as good as this 10, but you can get fat. And when you get fat, we'll play you in the front row. Well, even like, I mean, I've played, you know, just because you're fat means you get put in the front row or just because you're tall means you get put in the second row as a kid. But I've seen fat kids who, who are as good, as skillful as the backs, but they just don't get the chance to to show it off because that's where forwards should play and that's what forwards should do. But these guys have absolutely, it was amazing to watch these these guys in a final just like doing whatever they wanted. Yeah, but if you're a forward, like every time we play with like Ben or Duncan and kicking is allowed, who are the first players to kick the ball? Yeah, I guess forwards, yeah. 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 <laughs> if you put them in a stadium with like 80,000 people and it's their one chance to play there, potentially, because they're not capped for their, their country yet and they're not used to playing at Twickenham, as soon as they get the ball, they've got one thing on their mind. It's like, kick it, kick it, kick it. You can do it. <laughs> kick it. Just do a kick. And they're like, and then sort of just break and they have to do it and they have to kick it. It's like, it's the devil on their shoulder. Just like, oh, Sanderson will be fuming if you kick it now. Well, I've got to kick it. I'm a, I'm a hooker. I'm one-on-one with the fullback. I've got to chip and chase. Didn't Matt, Phil do, didn't Matt Phil do a chip and chase once? Maybe. But I like it. I think it's like, it should be normalised. I thought it was great. And the fact, I mean, you see it from kind of back row, because back rows are, are the kind of all round big, but also powerful and some like skillful. And you have, you know, like Parise doing mad shit and um, Zinzan Brook hitting drop goals over from halfway and stuff. But the fact this was front rowers doing all of this stuff was just, it was just brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely like, loved it. But like, think of the power in XFS legs. He could probably, if we caught him the technique, he could probably bang one over from his own five meters. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, in his own half, because like he's got a huge lever, and yeah. he's got the timing right. He would just, it'd be like a driver in golf. It would just fly. I mean, yeah. I don't understand why, you know, tens have to kick sticks all the time. Just get the. I'm sure there's players who are good at it and who can kick really long. Because John, I mean, John Eels was a forward and he used to kick sticks for Australia. Which just seems just seems mad now that there's a second. Can you imagine like George Cruz going up and kicking kicking goals for England? He did the back heel thing last year, didn't he? The back heel conversion. Remember that? Yeah, but that's just like in a daft game. No one cares about that. It's when they do it in the World Cup final that I like. But also think about it. I've been thinking about it. You know, you have like gender fluid. That's a thing now where you can be like gender fluid. I think yeah. that. We should see positions on rugby as like positionally fluid. You mean like total football, but for rugby? Yeah, but like you don't identify as a forward or a back. You identify as a flu- something fluid. What's the difference between forwards and backs? Directionally fluid. You're a directionally fluid player. So you can be a forward or a back depending on how you've like woke up in the morning. Depending on how you feel on that day. Yeah. Or that. Uh, Exabeth rocking into South Africa training and explaining to uh, Razzy. feel like a fullback today, Razzy. <laughs> Not doing scrums and line outs. I'm just going to take a few high balls and go inside. You're not going to tell him no, are you? No. Be a great, be great to see that. <laughs> so, Owen Farrell's playing at 10 today, but he sees himself as backs fluid. So that means he can play 12, 13, 14. Anywhere in the backs, but it's only ten today, just to make that clear to all the viewers, so none of the backs get offended. 
cool. I mean, let's, yeah, the game. We haven't talked about the actual game, have we? Let's talk about the protesters. I mean, you, you go first. I think it's like vile and disgusting that two blokes have run onto a rugby pitch and none of the players could be asked to tackle them. It's completely mad. There should be like a clause or something, small fine print, that when you buy a ticket to a rugby game, at the bottom it says, if you invade, if you invade the pitch, the players can do whatever they want. Like they won't, you won't get, they won't get dumped for GBH or anything. So like I would want one of them, one of those skinny little, skinny vegan people to run on the pitch with their little orange uh, smoke and then just have the entire sale pack run after them and try and kill them would be absolutely amazing. They should have signs around the pitch, like beware of the players. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like in your house, have people have the dog, even they've got like golden retrievers, like yeah. aware of the players. That would be great. <laughs> or like enter at own risk, just there. It's like, that'd be amazing. Well, Andrew, I remember in Andrew Simon's like smashed a pitch invader once when he was playing and he was batting, I think. And you just think you wouldn't just let them, if they went, if they, one of them ran on and got clotheslined by Manu Tirolangi in the face. They'd go back to their friends and they'd go, yeah, let's not invade a rugby match again. That, that didn't go very well. Snooker, fight, like snooker fine, nothing's going to happen. Football, you'll probably be okay. But let's not invade a rugby match. Yeah. Because... Destroy a painting. There's thousands of copies of it online. I can do That's it. what I mean. Like, uh, They're starting to fuck with things that, that people f- care about now. But at the same time, in like 100 years time, when uh, maybe we have grandkids, maybe not. But we're living in like a desert. I well, Norway's turned into like a dystopian future because it's scorched earth. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to listen back to this, and they're going to be like, "Oh, Granddad, what did you think about the protesters that were so brave and like destroying these uh, big sporting events?" It's like, "Oh, I thought they were absolute idiots. They, they ruined the sporting event for us. We only had so many left. If we'd only known how few sporting events we had left before this utter destruction of the planet was to take place." We'd have been even more angry. I mean, what they're going to do, like, is you know, the CEO of BP is going to be sitting in the crowd, and then these these protesters run on with their orange steam, and then he goes, "Oh shit, yeah, oh yeah, maybe I should actually change things." Yeah, okay, I'll do it. They're just pissing people off. Like, there's things you there's things you protest, and there's times that you protest. Like, if someone. Like, throw an egg at Rishi Sunak. That's better. Don't that's interrupt. Good. That's funny. Exactly. Don't interrupt a sporting, like, the sporting final. You're just pissing people off. It doesn't work. I just don't think it works this way. Ruin something that people care about. Ruin Eurovision. That's That would be great. You couldn't you have... ruin Eurovision. People would think it was part of the act. They wouldn't yeah. realise it was a protest. Some topless guy running on throwing, like, yellow... Or orange like dust into the air in the middle of someone's set in Eurovision. In the middle of Azerbaijan's oh, set, yeah. They yeah. think that was probably like, part of the thing, yeah. Oh, that's such good interpretive dance of the lyrics. Stop oil. Love everyone. It just wouldn't work, would it? Eurovision would love it. You'd be voted number one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I mean it had it all, didn't it? It had firstly, who needs backs? Get rid of backs. Absolutely. Get rid of backs. Just have everyone from row forwards. Vegan Orange vegans not getting taken out by massive rugby players when they ran on and, and 
stop the game. And our security, I'd have just like seen them run past me and gone, oh, well, <laughs> they're running right. They've run right into where they shouldn't be running. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll smash it. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be chasing after them. I'd be like, I'll just go and pick up the pieces afterwards. Yeah, it's like uh, jumping into the lion's enclosure or something at the zoo and you yeah. just think, oh, I mean, if you want to process the answer, you're not going to jump in there, are you? But they're not allowed to do anything. They can't do anything because they'll probably get sued if they did anything. Wow. I'd want to see, yeah. Or protesters come, if if you get caught pitch invading, you've got to go in a hooker for the next scrum. Tight head prop. Yeah, or could you imagine? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing it, would you? <laughs> you have to listen to Steve Borthwick speak for an hour afterwards. Explaining why your actions have been wrong. Could you imagine yeah. the boredom of that? I mean, I reckon those those kind of people would love it. Right. Rugby. Why did they yeah. take too long here? Yeah, yeah. That was... I mean, do you think the game was won and lost maybe on that decision? Or do you think it... Because he was dominant. Like, he was like old Manu Tirolangi in that game. He was completely dominating Nick Tompkins. He was getting over the game line every carry. And it just seemed like he was... seemed like they were struggling to to contain him more and more as the game went on. Like, he was much more effective in the 50th minute than he was in the first minute. And then they took him off for Sam James. And you just and their potency in the background just went. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's the last game of the season. Like, what? there's no reason to save him. If he gets injured, well, you pay his wages. He just gets injured then. It's not your problem. You don't have to worry about whether he's fit for the World Cup or anything like that. It's, it's your last game of the season. It's a final there's no reason to take him off it's what it baffles me it baffles me i i, I can't see any reason why you yeah. take off a player who's playing really 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 well no me too and it's not, i know and it's not like two Lange doesn't play 80 minutes every week or and play 80 minutes international rugby you know it's not like he is he didn't look tired to me unless he was unless he had an injury or something but i don't just know. play through it don't tell saracens you've got an injury they still have to mark you Whereas if you've got Sam James, you're probably like, oh, I can relax a bit now. I'll take him one-on-one. But if you've got too langy, you're like tightening your defence, everything. Just having him on the pitch just causes so much more problems. Yeah, because too langy goes off and then you've got Rob Dupria, who has, I mean, we'll talk about his moustache a bit a bit later because that is absolutely wonderful. George Ford, who's obviously small and a fly-off. And Sam James, I mean, it's not you're not going to get hit back on the game line. And I think Sale is so aggressive as a team and they just want to smash you backwards that as soon as you bring that kind of power off in the midfield, it just dents what they're trying to do. Yeah, I didn't get that. I really didn't get that. Maybe he was breathing wrong or something. Yeah. Sanderson spotted him breathing out his ears. <laughs> yeah. Use your nose. They asked him at half time if he was being if he was being mindful when he was running over Nick Tompkins and he said, What does that mean? And then he took him off. <laughs> yeah, he's ran over Nick Tompkins and Sanderson's doing like a Pep Guardiola breakdown of it. It's like you should have breathed there. Yeah. There. <laughs> you didn't breathe then, did you, Manu? Right. If you don't fix this in the second half, you're off. You're done. <laughs> Had enough. Oi, ask he's he's going down to his, his assistant coaches on the sideline. Ask Manu if he's in the moment. Is he in the moment? What did he say? He says, what do you mean? No, ask him if he's in the moment. He's not in the moment. All right, take him off. He's not going to be able to do it if he's not in the moment. Take him off. Bizarre. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. I haven't actually seen any interviews or anything as to why they took him off, but surely that wasn't tactical. If it was, that is so stupid. Honestly, I I can't begin to get my head around that decision at all. It's not just like Sanderson 
and yeah, I don't like Sanderson as a coach because he believes in all like meditation. Well, he sells to us why they are successful with like meditation and breathing and togetherness, together culture, yeah, culture, all these things that actually the culture of your team is South African and massive. Yeah, with curries. Yeah, with big blokes and you're you're aggressive. And actually, the reason why you're winning is because you're good at rugby and you have good rugby players, which I think a coach should brag about. I think like if I was coaching, I'd be like, my talent is the best players play for me. That's why I'm the best coach. Not I'm doing some clever little thing that no one else is doing because I've thought about it more and I've read a book on this and a book on that and I read four books a week and whatever. It should just be like my, my skill is that I'm just better at picking the best players because that is the biggest skill. Yeah, and I have the best players playing for me with the best strategy, and that's what I would talk about. I wouldn't talk about. I told Manu to read the secret, and now he thinks he's a great player. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was great. It was a brilliant game. Having said all that, I think uh, there were some standouts for saying. I think you know Curry and Tuolangi were so powerful, but on the Saracen side, I mean, Farrell's pretty good at rugby, isn't he? Farrell was the best ten. Out and out, he's the best ten now. Like after that game, it's like I think like the best way to judge like players is how do they perform in finals. And like I can't remember Farrell ever performing badly in a final. I think there was one where a European final one year where it was builders Farrell versus Wilkinson, and Wilkinson just tore him a new one. But Farrell was really young then. But this, I mean, that that pass that he did to uh, to Malins when it all broke up and he just let let the sale boys just attack him and fly out of the line and then just popped it to Malins and Malins went through and scored it. It's just, the guy just knows what he's doing all the time. And he gets so much shit from people because it's like, I don't understand why. It's probably just because he seems like a bit of a mopey bastard, but I love him. Absolutely love him. And I think his leadership skills are quite simple. If Farrell can do that, I can do anything. Yeah. Like his leadership is basically like, I'm on a pitch with Farrell. I've got a massive chance of winning this rugby match. Yeah. It's not going to be his fault we lose. The only thing I could possibly do is fuck it up for Farrell. So as long as I don't do that, we're going to win. That's that's kind of like, it's kind of like a football captain now. It's like, oh, if you're Argentina and you're playing with Messi, Messi doesn't really have to say anything. It's like, I can't, I can't be the one that's, that fluffs it. But, um, I mean, what do you think? So what do you think of these teams now? Because, I mean, Saracens, they have, Goose, who's, who's old. They're, they're quite an ageing team, aren't they? Goose, who's older. Malins, who's leaving. Maitland, who's older. Jackson Ray had, you know, had his last game for Saracens before he leaves. They've, you know, the Vunapolas are, are older, but, but they've got some, they've got some new guys coming through. But what do you think? I mean, do you think this is the end? Do you think this is like a final goodbye for Saracens, this win? Or do you think it's, you know, the start of, of a new era of dominance? I think it depends on whether uh, how many of the other teams can spend up to the salary cap because Saracens can't, so they can always achieve a very competitive level of talent in their squad. And when they spent over the salary cap, they then competed for Europe because they could even get that level of talent in. So I don't think it's uh, I think it's relative to what other teams can spend. So like, if other teams can't attract the talent or can't pay for it because everyone's going broke then it, it doesn't really matter if players are leaving because you're just buying the best ones that are available, which mm-hmm. the teams won't be able to afford. So 
Yeah, I think like Bristol could be stronger because they can afford to go to the salary cap and have like an expensive marquee player. They just need a coach that understands how to win a rugby match. I think this sale team is, I think this seemed like the start of something, something pretty, I'm not going to say something special, but you see the amount of young homegrown talent in this sale team, plus a couple stars, plus a few meaty South Africans. I think it's a really good recipe for a for a good team and their catchment area is massive you know the manchester and round there is such a hotbed for i mean there's so much talent there that if they if they get some fans and they get people watching them and they get you know people caring about rugby union up there again it's going to be they're going to have such a wealth of talent coming through and they've got a owner who obviously spends money so i think they'll I think they'll be doing pretty well for the next few years to come, especially if they can uh, get their mindfulness right and their and their breathing proper. If they get good at breathing, I mean they're gonna they're gonna be unstoppable. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you don't sign corpses. If you sign people that are alive, <laughs> who can breathe already, then it's kind of cheating the system, isn't it? The way oh. Sanderson goes on about it, he's like he's reviving zombies. <laughs> I mean, breathing is important. It is yeah. very important. Totally agree. Like, it's so important. If I didn't do it, I wouldn't be here at all. Going from someone who preaches mindfulness to a team and a coach that if you said mindfulness to them, they'd probably nut you, is one of quickly becoming one of my favorite teams, actually. Munster, who, after winning in Dublin couple of weeks ago to get to the final they went over to south africa and beat the stormers the reigning champions away in the final um i didn't watch this game i've seen the highlights but i mean tell me tell me about this one how how did you see this game what did you like and uh yeah just tell me how much you love this monster team right so the amazing thing about monster is they are just so dogged tough and they just didn't give they're like but they're also skillful like frisch made a big error right at the start of the game so frisch was at 13 he goes for the offload and he sort of offloads it straight into the south african tens uh hands and he scores an intercept try into libok yeah yeah he's class by the way he's class yeah and like he just sprints and scores and it's like oh no oh no what's gonna happen here and i think what I was really impressed with was that Frisch, after that, just had a blinder of a game. He was brilliant. Every time he went into like contact, he was getting his hands free. He was still he didn't always offload, but he was always like making that offload available. He was always making meters. He was banging in defense. And it's like if that's a guy that's just made like a potentially horrific error mm. in the first five minutes, and he's not shying away from nothing. He's not hiding. He's actually become more and more prominent and. Like by the end of the game, I totally forgotten he was like one of the reasons they've given away seven points because I I was thinking he's one of their best players, and then Fekitoa as well. Fekitoa bans, doesn't he? Oh my god, that player is such a crime that he's been injured so much because when he plays and he decides he wants to play, he is so good. Think like, of this Tonga back line that they're going to have in the World Cup with Fekitoa and Piertau and Falau. And I'm sure a few other just outrageously good players. Yeah, Fekito is awesome. 
just has everything though. He has like aggression. He has a sidestep. He has skill. He'll fly out and like snap an attack dead in seconds. And I, and I think those two in the centers, because uh, the Stormers are trying to go like wide and play like quite a non-South African style of play by being mm. quite expansive. But those two just, they were like heat-seeking missiles. They just stopped everything. And then the, the Munster pack, like it was, they, they were just dominated them really. Like they should have been more points up at half time, And they were really like aggressive and Peter and Marnie got injured. But to be honest, that should have been a massive loss to them. But I don't think it was. Don't think it was a horrific loss. I think the guy who came on, I can't remember who it was. No, wait, I remember who it was. It was that massive South African Snyman lad, the one that's oh, somehow been injured. Yeah. yeah, he's been injured for three years, but fit for a final. <laughs> in South Africa. Yeah, exactly the kind of player I'd want to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm that good that I was going to have, I was gonna have a f- three years off. But if you get to a final, lads, call me. My hamstring will be recovered by then. <laughs> Mate, you're the coach. If you get to the final, you can play yourself, play yourself at 10. Uh, come on and kick the winner. Yeah. We'll get a penalty and I'll send myself on. It'd be right in front of the post. Hit like three points. Yeah. Yeah. So the cockroach went off. The cockroach yeah. went off early. Which completely ruined our last podcast when we said he couldn't get injured and now he's <laughs> busted out of the final, which is shocking. <laughs> no, he got, he, I think it was a head injury. I think he uh, he got, we didn't actually see how it happened because I think South Africa might have been in control of the TV. Right, yeah. So maybe that's the thing. Because South Africa aren't, are known for being very uh, honest when it comes to rugby. Yeah. Brutally honest. They're, they're quite South Africa um, biased, aren't they? And then, yeah, so Munster. But their backs were really fluid in attack as well. Like, Munster are a proper team. It's just a shame. Even now, Munster have won it and it was a great final and they fully deserve to win the tournament, whatever. Even now, I still got that feeling in my head that's like, oh, I wish I'd have seen Leinster Munster actually go at it. Because, yeah, I know they won by one point and it was a close, exciting game. But for me, I just heard, I don't get like invested as soon as I see that one team's not invested. Yeah, it sour, right. sours it a little bit. It's like a it's like, kind of, yeah, you won the URC, but there's a there's an asterisk there that you beat, yeah. but not real Leinster. Yeah, if they'd have beaten like full-on Leinster as well, that would have been be amazing. But like, yeah, they were a great team and they're, they're a really good team to watch. I've really enjoyed. They're brilliant. And I mean... You know, no matter what, I know it wasn't Leinster's first team, but still, being Leinster in Dublin and then beating the Stormers in South Africa to win the tournament, uh, it's just ridiculous, really, isn't it? I mean, what an effort by those boys! I don't think there's another team. I don't think there's another team in that league who would have been able to just dog out two results like that and just be horrible and nasty to play against and just just win through just being horrible bastards. Maybe it's the problem is like I don't watch enough of like the URC or stuff, but maybe because Ireland is so Leinster dominated, we don't actually realise like how good these Munster players actually are. Yeah. They could be amazing. We just mm-hmm. don't see them like on the international stage enough. But like the open side flanker, I can't remember his name. Hodner. He was Johnny Hodner. Yeah. Might have been that. Yeah. But he probably it was probably pronounced in a South African accent, so I didn't understand. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Doesn't it? The South African commentary sounds like sort of echo. It sounds like they're not using proper microphones. You know, is that the South African like the 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 kind of gameplay? The South African coverage kind of feels it seems a bit weird. Like it just seems I don't know. Like they're not using proper mics or something. It might just be me. I don't. I don't really know. Yeah. 
but it was a proper proper game and i'm really happy because i predicted munster to win so yeah and I, you know ed, ed was happy as a as a sail shark slash proud sail shark slash monsterman he was pretty uh he was pretty down after that first one but his his monster boys got him through and uh yeah. there'd be absolute scenes in limerick i think as well as wherever those lads were out in Cape Town. So if yeah. the scenes in Saracens would be much bigger. Oh, 15 to 16 lads that weren't heading, weren't on HIA going out in Saris. <laughs> yeah, going out in Watford, going out in Watford. Yeah. But you know, because no one knows who they are. <laughs> I just won the premiership. What premiership? The rugby. What's that? <laughs> nah, Munster would have been back, like Limerick would have been. Our number it would have been actually bouncing, and uh, there's a few South African boys in that Munster team, so I reckon they uh, they took care of them out there in Cape Town. I reckon that would have been a good a good day. Shall shall we um, touch quickly, really quickly on? Uh, oh, actually, no. First, let's talk about the post match interview with uh, was it jo- John Hodnett? I think he got man of the match, and he did the post match interview with Peter Amani, and he basically said fuck within the first like two sentences of the post-match interview and you just saw Peter Armani's head go just oh his his head and his hands just think oh my god what is he doing I love it when players swear in post-match I absolutely love it I think they should just let him do it in Norway everyone swears on TV like no one cares yeah it's because uh Norway's a developed nation yeah but yeah so Peter Armani was a bit <laughs> he looked he looked a bit uh, forlorn, I guess. Just no, exas- exasperated, exacerbated from uh, his his right hand man just swearing straight away on uh, on national television. It's quite funny, but that shows you just how in control of his emotions Omani is. It's just won the URC like the first time they've won it for God knows how long. I think it yeah. might be the first thing he's won in club rugby, and his reaction to his mate swearing is, oh. Why have you sworn, you <laughs> moron? Not, oh, I'm bushing, I don't care, champagne flying. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing we said. So, in the, in the trophy presentation, right? So, all the Munster players, they get their medals off, like, South African kids. Yeah. And then they go on to, like, the stage where they have to lift it. But there's no alcohol at that point. The alcohol is, like, five champagnes bottles about 10 metres in front of them. And Why? then, like, a... It's not allowed to be on TV or what? No, no, it, it was shown after, but I, I, I don't know why that was the case. But then there was like 10 metres in front of where they lifted the thing with the big banner behind them. You know, I have that like small banner in front of them. Yeah. And that was like 10 metres in front. And you should have seen the Irish lads sprint for that champagne. Like <laughs> Becky Tower, not that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> All of us, not that bothered. But like Craig Casey, who came on for the last 10 minutes, he was explosive. <laughs> his sprint start to get to that champagne as soon as that trophy was lifted was unbelievable and it was like just five Irish lads probably all subs just like spraying it everywhere so that's why that was quite funny Do you, have you ever seen when because obviously teams celebrate when they win games and stuff have you ever seen but they can't obviously drink after every single game in a, in a regular season but I've seen some teams I think it might have been in the NRL where they celebrate by just like spraying water over each other. They do the, the shaky spray thing, but they just do it with like water or energy drinks. What, like a uh, Faris? Yeah, yeah, like a yeah. Faris going. Like, just like a Faris, like doing that and yeah. just like spraying it over each other. It just looks really weird. 
Like it shouldn't. Should only be reserved for big wins where you can spray champagne or like chuck beer over people or something. Like, but if there's anything wrong with non-alcoholic stuff. But there's a that clip of when uh, England won the World Cup in 2019 in the cricket, and uh, two Muslim players, as soon as they started spraying the champagne, you they just run away, scarf and run off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh. We're multicultural, but uh, we're still spraying champagne. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect your religion, but get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, but this is your job. Like, yeah, yeah. Either bring an umbrella or, or run off, because we're spraying yeah. it everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm doing, so you just prepare for that. You know how this is going to go. Great. So, I mean, two brilliant finals. I can't... I mean, we've had three finals in a row that have all been absolutely amazing. What an amazing advert for rugby. Yeah, if you don't like rugby after watching these finals, then you're like me and just finding all the negatives. <laughs> I mean, yeah, three amazing three amazing finals. I can't actually think of the last bad pre- pre- premiership final because the premiership finals usually seem they usually seem great. We could, I mean, we could probably talk about something about this in a different pod, but summer rugby, yes or no? Summer rugby. Yeah, because all of these amazing games are out when the sun's out and people are out drinking and in, having a good mood. Do you think no? No. Keep it. No, I think there's like other priorities I've got before we change the whole the whole calendar around. Right. Because the thing is, summer rugby, like it sounds great, but every other year you're going to be competing with the European Championships in football, the World Cup in football, the Olympics. Well, not this year you weren't competing with the World Cup in football. No. Well yeah, well then we need football to keep getting more and more corrupt then now. (laughs) Send it to Qatar again because you think to grow the game. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. 20, 20. Korea want one. Yeah. Korea. <laughs> Stand up nation over there. I mean, we can talk probably talk about the state of rugby and what we can do to improve rugby. You've got a big big list of things, haven't you? So uh we probably have a pod dedicated to That's a whole series, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, endless stuff. There was another game that happened on the weekend, not as important as these two, but as I mean, I thought it was as entertaining and it was the Barbarians versus the World 15. So Eddie Jones's Barbarians beat Steve Hansen's World 15, 48-42. Uh, I know we've talked about hanging kits, but this World 15 kit was one of the worst ones I've ever seen. This this World 15 kit was awful. If you haven't seen it, it was like a black shorts and then a lime green torso with black vertical zigzag stripes that kind of fade out into the lime green and then black arms. It's awful. It's really, really bad. And then a and then a yellow sponsor on the front. Flipping someone's job as well. Yeah. It's what they hate <laughs> to do that. It just grinds me. Like David Slapman had a massive go at it on the on the weekend as well, which was good. It's not that hard to do a nice kit. No, I know. Oh look my at, look at look at the Barbarians kit. They've literally never changed it. That is how it is. It's an amazing kit people buy the shirts it's great the world 15 whoever signed that off sort your life out that was terrible absolutely terrible maybe maybe it's for the colorblind people um but yeah did you did you watch any of this game no i don't watch the barbarians i think they're utterly pointless right (laughs) but um i mean we could just do a couple a couple minutes on it Israel Flau got booed before the after scoring a try. So when he got the ball, he got booed. Um, what do you think of that? It's probably God's will. 
Well, he'll believe it, it was. Well, it was God's will that he got booed, or it was God's will that he scored a try? Both. Yeah. <laughs> God is sending uh, mixed messages to the world about Israel Flau. <laughs> the other thing was, I mean, we've said it before, we'll say it again. There was two Fijian outside centres playing in this game. Tamani Vali for the Barbarians and uh, Semi Randrandra for the World 15 and those two the best players on the pitch by mile. Like, they were both absolutely incredible. And uh, Fiji have got another five centres that are about the same level. So what the hell's going to happen in the World Cup, I don't know. But yeah, Fiji have got good good rugby players. That's another one to, to say. Charles Piertel is really good. And uh, if you want to see some good tries, there were some absolutely outrageous tries in this game. But I want to come on to Alan Wynne-Jones. Tom's just scrunched his face up in agony. Alan Wynne-Jones actually played really well, did some really good stuff. And as is kind of tradition now for people in their last games, he kicks not one, but two conversions at the end of the game. Both of them were absolutely horrendous. Like he shanked both of them, which is fine if you do it once. But the second one, he got the big build-up and they got the Viking clap going and everything. The whole stadium, even the opposition players were doing it. He walks up his last kind of moment on an international rugby stage and he absolutely shanks it. And uh, I was thinking of you when I saw that. And after the game the day before with all those forwards showing absolutely outrageous skills, Adam and Jones, um, it was all a bit of fun, but still, I thought you should uh, have a go to talk about it. So, luckily for me, I haven't seen it. So, I don't have those <laughs> images. You should see it now. I'll send it to you now. I don't want to see it. I don't need that. I've got to sleep at night. I don't need, like, Alan Wynne Jones is trying to kick or perform some skill in my brain. I hate it. I actually hate everything about, like, this. Oh, let's let some forward kick it because it's his last game. Like, no, they don't deserve to. They should have learned to kick it. There's guys out there that have spent their lives perfecting this skill, and are you going to take it away from him? You just Pot. said it's Alan's last game. You just said half an hour ago they should. They should practice all this stuff. Yeah, and the ones that practice it should kick it, not Alan Wynne Jones. So you don't like having props or second rows doing conversions when they when they're sort of the end of their careers. No, I don't like anything that's like fun. I don't like it when you take professional athletes and you say, let's have fun. Let's just play a fun game. It's like, no, I I would love to see that game if there was a million dollar bonus on who won it. That's what I'd want to see. Yeah, but then so you... it's like full on, nasty, proper rugby. Because if they can just like muck about and they don't care about the result, I just don't want to watch that. But I would, would love to watch those players go and they have like a week camp and then it's like, yeah, whoever wins this game, you're sharing a million dollar bonus between your uh, between you. That would be banging. Now that would be a game. What would you think of the idea? I think it was Egg Chasers had this idea of having a Barbarians team in the World Cup. Of all, basically, you could pick players who hadn't been picked for the World Cup squads. You could pick them for a Barbarian squad to play to play in the World Cup. What would you think of that idea? That's just an instant no. No? All right, Kim. No, definitely not. They're not a country. Yeah? All right, fair enough. Yeah, come on. It's just those players shouldn't get a second chance. If they're not good enough for their national team, you're not in. 
Right, fair. Uh, fair enough. Reserve to go to the World Cup. The World Cup is reserved for the best players of each nation. You can't then taint it by putting some second string team in just so like Japan have got some competition. Like no, like definitely not. All right, okay. I mean that's been that's been shut down pretty fast by you. Then that's fine. Yeah. Um, I can't believe the egg chasers came up with that as well. That's shocking from the egg chasers. I love them. I'm never listening <laughs> to them again. After that, God, I have to try that idea. That must have been an email and they discussed it. There's no way that's came out of their mouths. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I think it might have been Tim who did it. I don't know. But um, it's not they, they they normally have some really good ideas. But yeah, maybe that wasn't. Yeah, they do have a lot of good ideas. They are like my favourite podcast in rugby. But Apart from ours. Yeah, ours is all right. No, ours is amazing. We're like, we're like such a good podcast. Everyone should yeah. listen to it. You should yeah. tell your friends and your family and everyone to listen to it. We're the podcast everyone wants now. <laughs> I've even got abused, Jack. I've got abused. That's yeah, how famous people, we are. People are sending you now abusive messages on Instagram. Yeah, no, you didn't send me a message. You sent me a photo, an abusive photo. Yeah, yeah. Someone sent yeah. Tom a, after his tirade on champagne with strawberries in it. Someone sent Tom a photo of them drinking champagne with a with a strawberry in it, and it made his blood boil. Yeah, that ruined my Sunday night. I was just calming down, trying to go to sleep. And then I'm going to name and shame them as well because they can't get away with this behaviour. And then some other bloke called me a tit. <laughs> yeah. He's got haters. That's our favourite show on it. Yeah, I've got haters. Christina Ruffles, at quarter past eight on Sunday night, sent me a picture of sham- strawberries and a champagne. No, strawberry and champagne. See, that's how much I hate it. I can't even get it right. If anyone else is still listening to this after all that, said Tom wants some more abusive messages. So make sure you send them in and we'll we'll read them out on the pod. Um No, I don't want them. I think I think Ed and uh Jack should get them personally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Mate, uh, still, if any, if anyone's got anything bad to say about Jack, please, 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 please do not hesitate. Send it in. I will read it out all day, every day. And I'll just sit in my room when I'm bored and just read through them again and again and again. <laughs> so Instagram is any abuse you've got for Jack. Fire um, over. Fire yeah. over. Right. It's a shout out. That's a shout out. Please do. We've we've managed to talk with just us two for ages again. So uh, we'll leave it there. I think um, there's not that much rugby now. So we've got... State of Origin is on is on Wednesday, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a kind of league based pod, talk about State of Origin, maybe get some some of the league league boys on from from somewhere. I'm not exactly too sure what we're going to do, but we'll talk about talk about league a bit. Tom won't be in in that one, so it'll be a lot better than what it usually is. It'll be a lot more positive. But um, no, just look out for that in your feed. Tell your friends. Tell your mum. Um, tell your wife, tell your girlfriend, tell your wife, tell your girlfriend, tell both. Yeah. Tell everyone Tom's Tom's single, what you watch the clips. Um, I guess that shout out, Jack, that's helped. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Send Jack abuse.